How are we doing, Rich Church? So good to see you guys. My name is Bobby, one of the pastors here at the Ridge. We're so glad that you guys are here today. Uh, you could have been in a lot of other places, but you chose to be here, and so we're thankful that, uh, that you're here today as we continue this series called God of the Underdogs. And uh, we are in week number three. If you haven't had an opportunity to catch up on the series, we'd love for you to go to our website, uh, ridgechurchonline.com, or uh, download the free app, and you can listen and catch up on this series. We started this series off a couple of weeks ago, and we are talking about these, these different underdogs in the Bible. And one thing that I love about the Bible is that the Bible has stories of lots of underdogs, like Jesus takes people that look to be unqualified. He takes people to look that look to, to not have it together. He takes people that are broken, people that are ashamed, and he takes them and he uses them for amazing things. And so that's where this series comes from, is out of that heart that, that God uses the underdogs. And so in week one, we talked about uh, David and how David was picked by God, chosen by God to be the king of Israel, and he became Israel's greatest king, and he, God used him to do amazing things, but in the process, when Samuel the prophet was choosing and, and, and getting ready to anoint the, the king, God told Samuel, he said, I will show you the one that you're going to anoint, and so he, he takes all seven of Jesse's sons none of which had David in the lineup, and he goes down the line going, is this the one? And God's like, that's not the one. Well, it looks like the one. Well, that's not the one. This one? No. No, and just kind of keeps going down the line until finally uh, Samuel the prophet says, ask Jesse, uh, the father, he says, hey, uh, is this all that you got? You have somebody else? And, and Jesse says, uh, yeah, by the way, we have another son. He happens to be out in the field. He's a shepherd. He's tending the, the sheep. Uh, we didn't invite him because... You know, I didn't really think that he'd be the guy, but you know, so, but he was the guy. He was the guy that, that God chose David. He didn't look the part, but God chose him anyway. And so it just goes to show us that when God shows up in our story, that God's presence takes possibility and turns it in, or takes potential and turns it into possibility. And so we see that in, in, in that story. And then last week we talked about the Apostle Paul. Paul was not one of the original disciples. He was, he was an apostle. Jesus uh, appeared to Paul. Paul was a murderer of Christians. That was his job. He was a persecutor. And so Paul, this, this guy Paul, was on his way to carry out the murder of Christians. He had the papers in his hand to carry out the act of murdering Christians for their faith, for what they believe. But Jesus appeared to him, knocked him off of his horse, and says, his name was before it was Paul was actually Saul. And, and Jesus says to him, he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Jesus radically changes his life. Jesus radically enters into this man Saul's story. His name becomes Paul. And so when Paul shows up, Paul becomes this missionary. He's preaching and teaching the gospel. He's raising up church leaders and pastors and, and church planters and churches are starting. And this guy Paul, he ends up writing most of the New Testament. What we have in our Bible is the New Testament. This guy Paul writes most of that. And so Paul, when he shows up in these places where there are other Christians, they're like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Aren't you that dude? Like, aren't you that God that, that kills us? But Paul, what Paul is able to say through Christ is he, he's able to say, that used to be me, that's not me anymore. In Christ, I am different. And so we took 2 Corinthians 5 where, where Paul writes uh, to the believers in Corinth, he writes them this letter, and in that letter he says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, 
this, he says that in Christ, the old has passed, the new has come. And so, what, and so the same man who was a murderer of Christians is living this out. He is an underdog, and God takes Paul and does amazing things through him. And so we talked about how we get past our past. And the only way that we get past our past is simply in Christ. There's no other way that we're ever going to get past our past without being in Christ. And that's what we see in the story of Paul. And so we looked at that last week. And so if you hadn't had a chance to catch up on that, I encourage you to, to go to our website and catch up on those, those two messages. But this week, this week we're going to talk about a different underdog. And this week's underdog doesn't have a name. There's no name for this underdog. His name is not Fred or John or anybody else. Like, like you can call him that if you want to, but that's not, he doesn't have a, a specific name. But understand that this underdog, although he has no name, he has a label. He has a label. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we're going to look at this underdog who is nameless to us. And if you need a Bible, I want you to know that we have free Bibles for you. It's a gift that we want to give you. They're out on Ridge Central out there. They're a little uh, bookcase out there. Please feel free to go out and grab one of those and keep that. We want you to have one of those. The scripture will also be on the screen back here behind me. But in John chapter 5, I want to read you a couple of verses here, the first nine verses of John chapter 5. As we see this story, as we see Jesus encounter this man who has no name, but he has a label. I'm going to show you what his label is. Check this out. John chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to, to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. Let me pray, and we'll, uh, we'll jump into this message. Father, God, we thank you for um, what you've already done in this place this morning, God. We were able to celebrate uh, what you uh, gave to Paul to write to us, that the old has passed and that the new has come, God, when we celebrated baptism this morning, God, and we just thank you for that. We thank you for new life and, God, what you're doing in the hearts of the people in this place and in this city and in this community. We're just glad to be a, a very, very, very small part of it, Jesus. We thank you for all these things. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So check this out. Jesus is in uh, this, this place, and, and, and there are these five colonnades. There's these pools in this place called Bethesda. And in these pools, there is this belief that, that whoever is the first into the water, when the water is stirred up, that you will be healed. So there are all of these people every single day, all of these people sitting around this pool, people who are blind, people who are paralyzed, people who are crippled, people... Uh, who have all of these different ailments, all of these different diseases. They're all sitting around this pool. And so it was believed that an angel from heaven would come down, touch the water, stir it up. The water would ripple up. It would stir up. And the first person into the pool would be healed, right? And so uh, this, this was the belief that they had. Now, 
Technically, probably what was happening was is that these pools were fed by a spring, and so when the water would come down through these springs, it would stir up the water, and, and the water would be stirred up. It wasn't actually an angel coming down. And so there wasn't really any healing powers necessarily to these pools, but these people believed that this would be how that they would be healed of what they hurt with or what they were labeled by. And so this man that we see, he's sitting at this pool. He'd been here for 38 years, and never once was he in the water first. Never once was he the one to first make it into the water, to to believe that he would be healed of his crippleness or that he would be healed of his lameness, his his blindness, his his disease. And so this man doesn't have a name, but I I want you to understand this. This man, although he didn't have a name, he had a label. He was paralyzed. He was crippled. He was maybe he was blind. Maybe he was what whatever. He whatever he had was what he was known by. Whatever it was that that hurt him was what he was known by. And so for thirty eight years he built his life around that label. For thirty eight years he built his whole world around sitting at a pool waiting for an angel to stir it up so that he could be healed for 38 years this is all that he did and so his life understand this his life was controlled by this label his life was controlled by by whatever label it was that he had plastered to his chest and and here's here's the thing every single one of us in here this morning every single one of us has a label attached to us right where we sit, right where we are. Every single one of us has, has some sort of label that, that sort of defines us, some sort of label that says, hey, this is who I am. This is who we are. And for, for some of you, you know what? Every, listen, everybody, maybe you're, a, maybe you're a mom, right? Somebody calls you mom. Hopefully it's your children, but somebody call you, they, they call you mom, right? They, they, that's, your, that's your label. That's what you're known as, your, your mom. Some of you are, are dad, right? Your, your dad or, or your, your daddy. You know, if you have really, really polite and proper children, they call you father, right? Which is a little weird, but hey, I'm not, I'm not judging, I'm just saying. Just saying, it just kind of sounds funny. So, but like, you're known by something. Maybe you're known by your title at work. Like, whatever you do in your job. You know, maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a, a factory worker, maybe you're, you know, a scientist, maybe you're a lab technician, maybe you're whatever, maybe you're a banker, but you're, you're known by the title that you have at work. Maybe you're the boss. Maybe you're the man. Maybe you're the woman, you know, like you're known by those titles. And so we all have these, these titles that we're known by, but when you dig down deeper into that, it's not, just, it's not that title that you're too concerned about. It's the other title. It's the other label. It's the labels that actually hurt. That we're afraid of. It's the labels that, that hurt that, that we're afraid of everyone else knowing us by. But the truth is, some of us walk around with a label that says, I messed up. Some of us walk around with a label that says, I made a mistake. Some of us walk around with a label that says, somebody else made a mistake, and because of their mistake, this is the label that I have to wear. And so these are the labels that we live with, and these are the labels that, we are, that we're ashamed of. And so the truth about labels is that labels hurt. 
and labels lie. But the truth will set us free. You see, Jesus encounters this man. When Jesus encounters this, this man at, at this pool, he doesn't have a name, but he has a label. He's blind, he's lame, he's crippled, he's, he's, he's paralyzed, whatever. But, but that's, that's what he's known by, and that's what he's built his whole world around. In 1999, it was a long time ago, some of y'all weren't even born, but 1999, um, 1999 I, uh, I got married in 1999. And uh, was in the ministry. It was a full-time student pastor and uh, doing student ministry, playing Chubby Bunny, uh, which was awesome. If you don't know what that is, look it up. But um, doing that, yeah, some of y'all know what that is. But uh, so uh, that was my life. I mean, that was my world. I was married. You know, I was, I was actually, I was living in, in uh, Texas and Arizona and uh, doing ministry out in those places. And, and uh, this is what God had called me to. God called me to, to uh, preach the gospel, to to, to stand and, and proclaim his word and, and, to, and to be what uh, scripture says is to, to fulfill and be obedient and honor him the best way that I knew how. And so that's what I was doing. And, um, and so that was in 1999. In 2001, all of that came to an end because in 2001, I was divorced. And so in 2001, for, for about three years, and for three years, I basically walked around with this big fat label on my chest that said divorce. And that, that label, some of you know what that label brings with it. Some of you don't, and that's okay. But, but that, that, label, that label that said divorce said to me a lot of different things because what that label said to me was it said that, that what I'm doing right here, right now, would never, would never happen. I would never be able to, to stand up here and preach and proclaim the gospel again because of that label. At very best, at very best, I would be able to sit in the back of some church somewhere, be completely unknown, and maybe, maybe try to bring up the bravery and the gumption from my gut to sing words that I wasn't even sure if I believed. Because I would never be able to be fully involved in the church again. Because I want you to understand something. This is what I was taught. That, it, the, that being divorced is the, it's the scarlet letter. It's the, it's the one thing that says, you know what? You are now cut off from the rest of church world. You can sit in the back. You can come. You can sit back there in the back. Sit back there in the back. But don't, 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 don't you try to volunteer for anything. You can't. You're not allowed. This is what I was taught. And then I read the Bible, and um, things changed. But for three years, I, let, for three years I, I, I walked with that. And listen, I just want to be honest with you. There are still times that sometimes I, just, I, I still feel that, I still feel that in, my, in my soul sometimes. But, but for three years, I walked around with that and said, you know what? I'll, 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 never, I'll never be in ministry again. You know, that, that dream of planting a church, that'll never happen. Uh, being in student ministry again will never happen. I'll never stand and, and, and preach and proclaim the gospel even though God has put it in my heart. I'll, I'll never be able to do that again. I'll, I'll, never, uh, I'll never be able to experience the, the intimacy and, and, and the wonder of marriage again. And so I believed that, and I, 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 I built my life around that label. And for many of you, maybe it's not divorce, but for many of you, you have built your life around a label. You have built your life around a label that someone has put on you. We have lots of labels that we live with, don't we? 
Lots of labels that, that say that, that we are this, and so we can never be that. You know, we have, we have labels like, like this one. The, the fake label that says, you know what, uh, I have to be somebody that I'm not in order to impress a bunch of people that I don't even like. And so I got to be fake. And so we, we wear that label, and so that label says that I, I, I got to be this, and so I'll, I'll, never be, I'll never be that. Some of, us, some of us wear this label. And we wear this label, and so this label tells us, you know what, because of some past mistakes, because of past sin in my life and the way that I used to live my life, I will never experience what God called me to experience because of this. Others of us wear this label. And this label, this label tells us, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. You know what? You don't, you don't fit the mold. You don't fit the image that, that you should have. Some of us wear this label. And it's this label, unemployed, that says, you know what, you'll never, you, you can't provide. You're a loser. You can't provide. Others wear this label. You made a mistake, and that mistake cost you dearly. And so you're living with that mistake. And that mistake tells you that, you know what, no one will ever love you. Others of us will wear this one that says you're addicted. Maybe it's to a substance. Maybe it's to pornography. Maybe it's to uh, the internet. Maybe it's to something, but you're, you're addicted. And so this, this label says, you know what? You're going to have to build your life around your addiction because your addiction is what's going to chain you and hold you for the rest of your life. You've tried to give it up. You've tried, tried to beat it, but it'll just never happen. You'll just all, you just need to build your life around that. You know, then there's, there's this one, the religious label. Now, I was having a conversation with somebody, and we were talking, and they were telling me about what this label constitutes for them. They were talking about how um, because they belonged to a, a certain denomination that they had to believe a certain way and that anybody else that believed differently from them was going to hell. This weren't right. Oh, y'all have drums? Ooh, sinners. <laughs> Guitars? Oh, boy. Acoustic's okay, but when you get electric, man, I hope you got fire insurance. All right, so you got... <laughs> somebody, like, listen, I, I know what that label's like. I know what that label's like. I... Some of y'all know what that label's like, too, and, and some of you know what this one is as well. You made, um, you made a choice when you were a teenager, and that choice, although that choice has been a blessing now, some people want to take your blessing and condemn you for it. I could go on. All day, there's, there's the, the label of, of singleness. You're single. Obviously not good enough to be married because you're single, right? Like, why are you single? 
40 years old and you're single. You know, there's uh, the, the label that says you're just not smart enough. You're dumb. You made a 720 on your SAT, dummy. You know, like this one, ashamed. Past mistake, past sin that, that has you ashamed. Mine. Maybe it's yours. You go on, not good enough. You know, here's, here, here's a label that, that some, of us, some of us have. Um, we've actually figured out a way to make money off of this one. <laughs> you know? But you know, some, some, of, you, some of you have that, that label, and it, it, it offends you. It hurts you. You know? Just because you talk with the twang don't mean you, you're not smart. And so we have these labels, but, but and, and, and this man at, 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 this, at this pool, he, ha- he has this label, and he's built his whole life around this label, just like many of you have built maybe your whole life around one of those labels. Or maybe it's a label that we've not mentioned, but, but you've built your, your whole life, like, like your present is, is your label. That, that label defines you. That label says, this is who you are. That label says, this is it. But when this man encounters Jesus, Jesus tells this man to pick up his mat and walk. And so in essence, what Jesus is telling this man is he is telling this man, drop your label. Because I've got a new label for you. Your new label is free. You can clap for that. That's okay. Don't be embarrassed by that. You can clap for that. Because your new label is free. Because you're not chained to your label. You're not, you're, this, this doesn't have to be who you are. This is not who I created you to be. This is not what I, what I gave my, my life for. It's for you to be this. Jesus said that I came to give you life. And to give you life that is more what? Abundant. This is not abundant living, is it? Those of you that have been chained to that label, those of you that have carried that with you, those of you that walked in here with that label, like that's not, uh, that's not the abundance that Jesus talks about. Freedom is the abundance that Jesus talks about. Freedom is what Jesus says that he came to give us. And so when he encounters this man at this pool and he, he sees this man, I, I, I love this scene because I love, I, I think it's in verse 6. I think it's in verse 6 that says, Jesus says this. He says, um, he says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew, knew. You understand something? Listen, this label that you carry around with, it's not a surprise to Jesus. You're not surprising him by that. Jesus isn't going, oh, wait, 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 wait. You th- you're a teen mom? You're, you're an adulterer? You're, you're a liar? You're, you're a thief? You're, you're addicted to something? When did that happen? No, no, no. Understand. He, he knows. He knows. Which makes this so much more incredible. The fact that you are here right now today in this very moment listening to a message that says you need to step into freedom. 
God is not blind to your situation. He is not blind to your label. He knows. Jesus knew what this man's label was. He knew what he had built his life around. He knew what this man was going through. And so the father came to him. And notice what Jesus didn't do when Jesus comes to him. Jesus comes to him and says, do you want to be healed? That's the the first question that Jesus asked the man. But Jesus didn't come up to the man and go, hey, I see your situation. Looks like you're kind of in a bad spot. Hey, do me a favor. Get up and show me that you like can can walk or try or like, you know, let's get some things together here first. Can you, can you sort of like just show me that you want to get your life together? Can you just like show me that, that you know, you're going to clean things up? And can you promise me that you're not ever going to be here again? Can you, let's, let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. I'll tell you what, you do this and I'll do this. It's not what happens. Jesus approaches the man and says, Do you want to be healed? And the man's response is much different than what my response would have been. Like, does anybody else read that and go, what what are you doing? You've been here for 38 years and Jesus just asked you if you want to be healed. And the man's response is, he's like, well, you know, like, I've been here for 38 years, man. And, like, every time the water gets stirred up, I'm the, I never get in. Like, I'm just, I'm never going to get in the water, you know. He's just, like, making all of these excuses up as to, to why he can't be healed. And I, I just feel like in my mind I see Jesus kind of rolling his eyes at the guy. He's like, I just asked you if you want to be healed. What are you waiting for? But Jesus, Jesus Jesus, you know what he, he also doesn't do? He doesn't listen to the man's excuse and go, come here, man, let me give you a hug. Let's hug it out. Because I know, like, I'm man, I understand. I get it, you know. No, he doesn't even do that. He just tells the man, he says, get up, take your mat, and walk. Don't go home and pray about it. You don't need to pray about it. You just need to get up and walk. You need to be healed. You need to drop your label. There's nothing to go home and pray about. You don't need to get your small group together and discuss it. Hey, y'all think I should do this? What do you think? No, okay. Like none of that takes place. Jesus says, get up, take your bed, and walk. And at once, not later, not the next day, at once, immediately scripture says that he gets up and he walks and he walks he's healed he's set free jesus gives him this new label freedom freedom and it's that very same freedom that he offers to each one of us today for every one of you that walked in here with a label today it's the same freedom It's the same freedom that Jesus gives you. It's the same freedom that he offers to each one of you. For with whatever label that you walked in here with, he's saying you don't have to walk out with that same label. The new label that I want to give you is freedom. Check this out. Flip over just a couple of pages. John chapter 8. Jesus. In in John chapter 8, we see Jesus has, um, he's, he's gotten a crowd around him. And uh, it's because uh, as Jesus is uh, there teaching uh, some uh, religious people, 
they, they bring this woman who was caught in adultery, they, they bring her to, to Jesus, and they, they drag her in front of Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, this woman, we caught her in adultery. You know what the law says. The law says that, that we, have to, we have to kill her. We have to stone her. And so we're just kind of curious, man. What do, you, what do you think? What do you think we ought to do to this, this woman? Talking to her as if she is just, you know, an inanimate object. What do you think we should do with her? And, I, and you may be familiar with the story, but I love what Jesus says. Jesus kind of bends down, and he kind of writes something in the dirt, and I'm not even, well, anyway. So he writes something in the dirt, and, and, um, and he looks up at the people, and he, and he says to them, he says, those of you without sin, pick up, pick up the stone, and you throw it first. But I love what he says to the woman next. He says, he looks at the woman and he says, these people may condemn you, but I do not. These people may condemn you, but I do not. And so Jesus, this this adulterous woman caught in the act, her label is adulterer, her label is cheater, her label is sinner, her label is whatever, brought before Jesus and Jesus says, I don't call you an adulterer. I don't call you a sinner. I don't call you this. I don't call you that. I call you free. They may condemn you, but I do not. And so Jesus has got this large crowd around him, and he's teaching them. And he's sort of teaching them through this principle. And so in John chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus says this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. And so in other words, when you see truly, truly, he's like, hey, listen up. Something important to say here. I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. We know that to be true, don't we? He says, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Because, uh, you know what, some of these, some of these labels that we wear, some of them, whatever they are, some, some of these are a result of sin. Some of these labels that that we have, some of these labels that we walk around with, some of these labels are a result of a sin that we have committed. And when we live our lives unrepentant of those sins, we become a slave to those sins. And that word repentance, it's a big hairy church word that we throw around a lot, but all it means is that we are turning from our sin and we're turning to the cross. But when we don't turn from our sin and don't turn to the cross, then we become a slave to these things. And so we do build our lives around these things. So Jesus says that anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. But he doesn't stop there. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The sin does not remain in the house forever. The sin does not have to remain on you forever Because the sun remains forever. S-O-N, not S-U-N. And then he says this. He says, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Right, Right here before this, a very familiar passage right before this, Jesus he, uh, he, says, uh, he says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free, free indeed. But he says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. 
Who is the truth? Jesus. Because Jesus said, I am the way and the what? The truth and the life. And that anyone who comes to the Father will be what? Saved. Set free. Redeemed. Rescued. You shall know the truth. You shall know Jesus, and Jesus will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, listen to me, those of you with your labels, listen to me, those of you with your uh, sins that, that you've not repented of, listen to me, you shall know the Son, and the Son will set you free. The Son, Jesus, will set you free. Labels lie. But the truth sets us free. In Christ, you are free from your label. For those of you that are Christians, for those of you that, are, that have made Jesus the Lord of your life, in Christ, you are, you are free from your label. You are free from your label. You are free to walk in the freedom that Jesus freely gives. You are free from your label. Romans 8.1 says that there is now, now therefore no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ Jesus. You know what condemnation means? Condemnation is, is, is the guilt and the oppression that hangs around our neck from sin and from labels. And Paul says, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. In Christ, we can walk in freedom of the truth. And that truth is that you, in Christ, are a son of the creator. You that are in Christ are a daughter of the creator. Let me ask you a question. As a son, as a daughter of the creator of the universe, do you think God looks at you and your label Or do you think that he looks at you as his son, as his daughter? Paul writes in, I think it's in Colossians, he he writes, he says that that we are hidden in Christ. Do you know what that means? That being being hidden in Christ, that those of us who are Christians, those of us that are believers being hidden in Christ, that means that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that. I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful for that. In Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation. In Christ, you are free. In Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, you are not a label. In Christ, you are a son. You are a daughter of the creator of the universe. John 1.12. John 1.12 says that, uh, that to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become Children of God in Christ. In Christ. Now, I, I, love, I love that scene as Jesus encounters this man at the pool. The man did not seek out Jesus, Jesus sought him out. The man didn't come to Jesus, Jesus came to him. Just like some of you think, you know what, some of you got up this morning and you're like, hey, what do you want to do today? Well, maybe we should go to church. So you got up and you came to church. We're glad you're here, seriously. 
Maybe some of you got up today and somebody called you and you're like, hey, uh, I want to take you to lunch. But meet me here at this address. And they duped you, but you're here. You know, it's cool. It's great. You know, you thought you were getting lunch. We got coffee and donuts. I'm sorry. You know, it's not lunch, but you're, you're here. Listen, you didn't end up here by accident. You're not here. You're not here just like, it's not a random thing that you're here today. You're here because Jesus has came to you. The Father has come to you and said, walk in freedom today. Pick up your mat and walk in freedom, in freedom. And for those of you that are in Christ, that freedom, you've are, it's already been given to you. You just have to walk in it. You just have to walk in it. Others of you, you're here, you're not a Christian, you're not a believer. And so this whole thing about being in Christ, this whole thing, listen, you can walk in that same freedom. You can walk in that same freedom from these labels. You don't have to walk out of here with the label that you came in here with today. That same freedom is a gift given to each one of us when Jesus gave his life on the cross. That's why, John, that's why Jesus says in John 3, 16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave, freely gave. Anyone who believes will not die but will have everlasting life. And so for those of you who may not be a believer this morning, you can, you can make Jesus the Lord of your life. You can give him your life, give him your label, and walk in freedom. Walk in freedom. Let's stand to our feet. I want you to understand that, that God, God loves you based on your position as his child, not your performance. So freedom is yours. Freedom from labels, it's yours. It's yours to walk in if you receive it and you walk.